The Okeechobee Hurricane, also known as the San Felipe Segundo Hurricane, made landfall near West Palm Beach, Florida as a Category 4 storm during the evening hours of September 16th back in 1928 and still stands today as one of the deadliest hurricanes in the history of the Atlantic Basin. Hi, I'm Chris May, writer, producer, and host of This Day in Weather History, now in its second year from the Weather Network in Canada. The actual storm surge impact was so intense that it caused water to pour out of the southern edge of Lake Okeechobee, flooding hundreds of square miles in water as high as 20 feet or 6 meters from this day in weather history. Of all the places in the U.S. that I have loved my time in the most, it had to be those days along the shores of Lake Okeechobee, Florida. It's inland enough we should be safe from hurricanes, we thought, right? Wrong. Back in September 1928, South Florida was not the insane population density that it is today. It was not South Beach and would hardly inspire a hit TV cop drama back then, that's for sure. There were only about 50,000 people who lived in South Florida at this time. And although building continued, the initial real estate boom was already beginning to fade. Two years prior was the devastating Great Miami Hurricane that also struck in September, and this was a loud wake-up call to the new residents of this state about the vulnerability of their new homes to tropical weather. Back then, as floodwaters from Lake Okeechobee were swept by the storm into Moorhaven, it was responsible for killing over 100 people. In 1928, this Okeechobee hurricane was far more impactful and far more sinister. Most of the damage from that storm was where the population had centered, in Dade and Broward counties, claiming the lives of 2,500, but in its entirety, killed over 4,000 people from its path that included the Caribbean. As it churned through the Atlantic, it wiped out the tiny island nation of Guadeloupe on September 12th. From there, it continued on its way through the Virgin Islands and leveled a direct hit on Puerto Rico on the 13th. There, it killed more than 300. Now, you would have thought that the devastation of Puerto Rico would have provided some warning to the residents of Florida's east coast, but that was not the case. From there, it moved through the Bahamian Island chain on the 14th and 15th. Then on the 16th, around dinner time for most people, the hurricane made landfall in Palm Beach County between Jupiter and Boca Raton. Welcome to year two of this podcast. Right now, you're listening to the full version of today's story on your favorite podcast provider. But there's also the daily podcast video short. They're shot right here in my podcast recording studio, so you get that perspective. But oftentimes, they will include visuals from that day's event from when it happened in weather history. So after listening to the full story, go check out the podcast video short on television or online anytime at theweathernetwork.com forward slash weather history. The city of Palm Beach, founded only 34 years prior to this occurrence, had quickly become a playground for the rich and famous, while the West Palm Beach evolved initially on the other side of Lake Worth as the place where the support staff lived. Damage in coastal Palm Beach County was severe, especially in the Jupiter area, where the eyewall of the hurricane persisted longer than any other location because of where the storm crossed the coast. A storm surge of about 10 feet or 3 meters took over the land it invaded 
and brought with it waves estimated to have been as high as 20 feet, and they slammed into the barrier islands. And that included all the posh homes to the privileged and elite of Palm Beach. Today, the population of those same two counties we discussed here in 1928 are vastly different. Dade County is home to over two and three quarter million people, and Broward County boasts a population of two million people itself. So that is a far cry from the 50,000 living in the early years of South Florida that were affected in this hurricane that struck and literally pushed the water out of Lake Okeechobee on September 16th, back in 1928. This day in weather history. Hey, do you like the podcast? We'd love to hear from you. If you have an idea, go right now to wherever you're listening to me and rate us if you would, please. It's on a five-star system and we would love as many stars as you can afford. So rate us, but then also review us. This way we can always stay on top of how you'd like to see the show evolve. Then remember to subscribe to this podcast. Click the subscribe or follow button right there on the very same podcast homepage you're listening on. You'll be immediately reminded that the next day is ready to listen to and you also have access to every episode in the archives. It dates back to June 1st of 2020, so there is a lot that we got to get caught up on on this day in weather history. Tomorrow is September 17th, and it's a big day on the calendar for us. We all remember when regular flights of the space shuttle began on April 12th of 1981 with the launching of Columbia from Cape Canaveral, Florida. But did you know that on September 17th, way back in 1976, NASA publicly unveiled its first space shuttle, the Enterprise, at a ceremony in Palmdale, California. No, not that Enterprise. This Enterprise, the one that captured the imagination of explorers around the world. On this day in weather history, with me, your host, Chris May.